marvel to see our dreams so realized. But all these bright lights run together after a while, and our blaze of glory turns ordinary overnight. Our blaze of glory turns Have you ever had someone, like right when you're telling them, or at least they're aware that you're having a bad day, and they look at you with all seriousness, and they think, like deep inside, they think they're being helpful. And they look at you like, you know what you, know what you do? When life gives you lemons, you just make lemonade with it. And in your mind, you think, if I had lemons, I'd throw them at your face. Does anyone else feel that way? I just, does, okay, some of you are willing to be honest. And you're like, are, no, David, we are nice people. I know, I'm just telling you what goes on in our heads sometimes. When, when life is not unfolding the way that you want it to, and you got that positive friend, who when they have their own problems are, aren't positive, but with your problems, they're like, you just need to be positive. Well, well I'm going to tell you, your story matters. Your, your life matters. It's a big deal, your life. I don't think people are, are born by accident. Your, your parents may not have planned you, but God did. And I'm going to tell you, life matters a ton. And we got to talk about how your story matters. So all across all our locations, we're all diving into this, talking about who am I and why am I here? And we're talking about what, what to do with who we are and why we're here. So first week, all of us talked about, the fellows at RCMU, East, West, all of us talked about how much God loves us and we got to learn God's love in order to understand who we are. But now we got to go more at your actual story, your actual life, my actual life. And to do so, I'm not going to talk about like the most amazing moments in your life because I think you got that, you're good with that. Some of us are praying for those. God, give me some amazing soon. Uh, what I want to talk about are the dead ends and the detours. Yay! I want to talk about the bad moments, the moments that don't go the way that you want them to go. I want to talk about the moments that, that you thought you were going in a certain direction and you thought it was right, but it wasn't. Or, or maybe you were just not aware of what was going on and someone surprised you. They, they hurt you. They betrayed you. And that's what I want us to talk about. I want us to get into that and learn from that. Uh, you don't like dead ends. I, I don't either. You don't like detours. I, I've seen some of you drive through the construction and you didn't think I, I knew you because we haven't actually met, but I've seen you before and you're crazy. <laughs> I've had my own share of dead ends and detours that, that I've struggled with. I think you have too, but just to help us get into this, uh, I, I remember a long time ago <clears throat> when I I felt like God wanted me to be a pastor of a church. 
And I thought, cool, God must have told me that. So, so what you do is you start to send your resume to churches who don't have pastors who are looking for them. So I was doing this and sending it off and like, hey, here we go. And I'm like, I can't wait, God, for what you've got in store. And then I would have a church call, like, hey, let's talk. And we would talk. And it would only go as far as that one conversation. <laughs> That's, in fact, I remember taking phone calls whenever they came in. One time I'm sitting in a parking lot of Target, because that's where, where we live. Uh, it's a whole other sermon. Uh, but I, I, I remember not being in the state somewhere else, and, and, and Katie was, was in Target, and I'm in the vehicle, and I got a phone call. I'm like, taking it, and, and there's people all around just doing their own thing, and I'm, I'm interviewing for a job, you know, right there in the car. And I remember them telling me very specifically, well, you don't have the education that, that we're looking for. And I fielded a lot of other conversations. Uh, I didn't have the education or, or just flat out, they didn't say it in these words, but I was a little too risky, <laughs> uh, which they were partially right on that. But I remember, I don't know if you've ever been there where you thought, this is what I'm supposed to do, what I want to do. And just dead end after dead end, what you see about yourself or even what your closest people around you say about you, no one else seems to know it or believe it. And you dead end after dead end. And I, I remember... A church, you've heard of it, from Rapid City, South Dakota, called. And I'm like, I know how this is going to play out. And so we had the phone conversation. And <clears throat> at the end of it, the guy's like, hey, we should talk again. I didn't know what to do with that. I'm like, again? Uh, okay. And so long story short, this church said, we'll hire you. I'm like, okay, can we have a contract written in there? Can this get like drafted where this is like permanent and legal? And, and, and I remember moving up here thinking, God, thank you. No more dead ends. And I was not old enough to realize that they just keep coming, right? There's, there's no like, oh, you're done with all the dead ends in your life. They all happen in your 20s. Nope, nope. They, they keep coming. And then about three months into pastoring this church, tons of people were leaving because of yours truly. <laughs> and the ones who, who weren't leaving weren't incredibly happy with me. And it was another moment going like, what in the world is, I thought the, I thought the dead ends and the detours were over. And, and even during that time and preceding, I had all my own personal dead ends and detours, things that I didn't understand. Multiple times we'd be expecting a kid and we would learn that kid wasn't going to make it. I remember dealing with that with Kate and I just wrestling going, we don't understand. Like, we don't get this. I remember times in my family where we learned my mom had cancer. And you're like, what? Like, how do you walk through this? And, and you've got your own. You've got your own. I'm going to have to do story time here. You, you've got your own. Like, David, here's, here's my last list of of dead ends, and, and here's all the detours that I've gone on in my life. And, and most of us would say, those are the great times. Most of us, in the moment at least, in the moment, would say, I don't like this, right? But here's what I think we can conclude when it comes to dead ends and detours, is that they impact the way that we see our lives. They impact the way that you are actually looking at how life plays out. In fact, I would conclude that some of us have defined our entire perspective of life based on the detours you've had or the dead ends. And you and I, if we're going to talk about how much our stories matter, 
if we're going to talk about how big of a deal this life is, then you and I, the good times we can talk about some other day. But those dead ends and detours, what do we do with them? How do, how do we manage them? What actually decision? I'm going to help you land on at least, I think, just one, one profound, I think, simple but profound way to engage this time. To, to do so, I want to show you a story, not my own personal story, but a story from the Bible. See, there's a group of people known as the Hebrews or the Israelites. They were in slavery for quite some time, over 400 years. They were in slavery, and they eventually get released through a, a series of different events. You, you may have seen at least the movie, but there's a guy named Moses who God used to free them, millions of them, from slavery. That's all most of them had ever known. And through plagues and conversations and incredible things, they're freed. Pharaoh lets them go. And that's where I want to bring you into the story that will help you and I. So in Exodus, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory. Even though, and pay attention, so they get freed. Yay, freedom. Remember when you first moved out? Typically it's like, finally. Freedom is amazing. They get freedom. And God frees them, and here's what God does with them. God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. The shortest route. See, some of you should be raising your hand and be like, mm, it's this way. The shortest route, because you and I typically think the shortest route is what? The best route. The fastest way to get to whatever you want to get to, most of us are like, that's it. That's what we do. That's the fastest way. That's the way we go. And most of us can conclude that we don't agree with God's pace. We don't like his timing. Maybe after the fact you do, but during the time, uh-uh. We don't like it. And most of us do not like God's pace. And so when you look at your life and you look at who you are and why you're here, most of us would say, I got, I got a problem with my life. It's going too fast or going too slow. And I want to show you that God gives them freedom and what he does with them, he takes them on the slowest route. There's more though. So God led them in a roundabout way. Anyone feel like you're in a roundabout right now? Like you're like, that's my life. We just keep circling around the same stuff. If you're like, David, I don't, I don't, just raise a teenager. And you'll circle around the same stuff. And, and you'll learn this. Sometimes in marriages, your fights around the same thing. At work, you feel like sometimes it's the same thing that's happening. I think this is so cool. The Bible is not old and, and boring and irrelevant. So God led him, where did he take him? In a roundabout way, <laughs> through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. See, most of us are like, oh, I know this story, David. We, we sing about, right? What, like he splits the sea. They knew nothing about any sea getting split. All they know is we're free. Why are we going this way? I don't know if we're going the right way. And that's why I would tell you the pace and comfort of our life can make us question the direction of our life. Most of us would say there are the times that you're like, I don't know if I'm going in the right way. And the reason you're saying I'm not sure if I'm doing with my life what I'm supposed to be doing with my life is mostly because it's uncomfortable and slow or uncomfortable and fast. It just depends. 
And I would say many of us get into this thinking that we're going in the wrong direction, doing the wrong thing because it doesn't feel right. Where do you see what God just did? You're free. I'm going to take you in a way you're going to hate. I love you. So that word wilderness, you saw that it was highlighted. I, I want to talk about wilderness. In fact, I'm going to give you a definition of wilderness according to the Good Dictionary. Wilderness is a wild and uncultivated region. I was like, mm-hmm, it's good. But for our terms, for this sermon, for our conversation, let's change a word. Let's change that last word. <laughs> I think we can say when talking about wilderness that what if some of us are living in or will live in a wild and uncultivated season of life? Many of us understand wilderness. That's when I get it. When I talk to you about dead ends and detours, let's talk about when life brings you into a wilderness. A season where you're like, I don't like my surroundings. I don't like what's going on. I think it's going too slow, too fast. And many of us, when we're in the midst of a wilderness, we despise the wilderness. Because it's not fun. There's nothing awesome, typically, in the moment about the wilderness. A wilderness moment, just to make it extremely practical, is when you're looking at your finances over and over and over again and nothing good seems to be changing. It's when the job that you hoped would get better isn't getting better. And it's just a season of just not good, nothing, nastiness. It's not good. It's when you're at school and you thought you were going to improve, but nothing's improving. Or a friendship, relationship, a marriage, parenting. It's when you thought, when you're looking at like, this is going to go well and it's not going well and it just seems dry and not good. That's why I think most of us, whatever age you are, can say, oh, I've, I've been in those seasons. You've been in those seasons where you've lived a wilderness. And here's what I would tell you that I do not want you to miss. The wilderness season is the most important season. I know it's the season that we typically try to get out of fast. But I would tell you, and I think I'm old enough now to make this statement. Most of us don't manage our wilderness time well. Most of us want to go from incredible paradise moments to another incredible paradise moment to another incredible paradise moment. All the while, we're mismanaging the wilderness moments that, just so you know, that's a part of life, happen in between. And most of us are not ready for the paradise moments because we mismanage the wilderness moments. That when we didn't have what we wanted to have, we didn't engage life that way. Let me, let's step on some toes. In other words, we didn't mature enough for paradise. Many of us know this when you're playing sports or you're in a job or you're just beginning life. We all look at young people and be like, you know, when you mature, things are going to go well. But as adults, we often stop maturing. We think we've landed and... And to go more at this, the wilderness matters because your story matters. And I would tell you this whole thing about the wilderness, it applies to your story. 
And I know some of you right now are living in the midst of a wilderness. It didn't take you a second to understand what your wilderness is. And you got it. You're thinking about it. You don't understand why God let you even experience it. And you've been in the wilderness. In fact, you might think that you've been in your wilderness longer than other people have had to be in the wilderness. And you're like, I don't like this whole roundabout thing that God's letting happen. I'm ready to get on the faster route, not the, short, not the shorter one. Like, I want to I make sure that we go like, straight there and, 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 and be there. But maybe I'm completely off on some of us. Maybe it's not the pace. Maybe it's not the comfort level that you've got an issue with. Maybe it's the danger that exists in your wilderness. In fact, every wilderness has danger. Uh, If you've ever been camping, I I went once. (laughs) If you've ever been out in the wilderness, wilderness, like the literal wilderness, you know that there's dangers. And if you're not prepared for them, if you don't manage them well, things can go bad real quick. And we all can, I think, lock on to the fact that in the wilderness, in the uncultivated areas of our life, even though it seems that there's dangers, these Israelites, the Hebrews, they encountered dangers in their wilderness right off the battle. I'll show you the story that you probably know. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army. You might, if you're new to this, you're like, I thought he let them go. He did. He changed his mind. And so he doesn't just go after them. All the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers, not the musketeers, his charioteers. I thought on that joke all week long, and that's all you gave me. (laughs) Thanks. Love you too. And his troops. So all of a sudden, they've been freed as slaves. They've never experienced freedom ever. And they are well aware that God freed them. And God not only has led them into the wilderness, but now they're trapped. Because yes, on one side, there is a sea. And on the other side, we now have the best, the meanest, the strongest of all the Egyptian warriors coming to get them. So just for a second, don't tell anybody, don't raise your hand, don't say anything out loud. But what do you normally do, you yourself, when in life you're facing danger, or we could just call it moments you don't like? I can show you what they did, which I think is funny because it applies directly to us. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. Somebody like, oh, I don't panic. Yeah, you do. And panicked. When they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? See this, I have to stop here because If you're a normal person at all, you've said that to God. God, why did you bring me here? Do you understand here doesn't have what I want? Would you die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? And then they keep going. (laughs) What have you done to us? 
Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Hmm. How quick things change in the wilderness. I mean, it's when all of a sudden you're like, hey, how's your day? It's amazing. Then five seconds later, after something doesn't go the way you want it to go, you're posting on the internet, I don't even know why I, I do this. I don't even know why I'm a parent. I don't even know why I'm a And we begin to go crazy. We begin to question everything. It's because danger has a side effect. <laughs> it's called fear. When you and I encounter danger in our moments of our wilderness, when the doctor tells us something that we don't want and it's dangerous, when you see that your marriage is so thin that it's dangerously close to ending, when you see that your grades and the time that the grading period ends and it's not matching up and you're like, oh no. Danger has a side effect, fear. And many of us right now, if you had to, if you had to talk about your life and what did you do with the lemons that you got dealt? Most of would be like, I got afraid is what I did with them. And you've been living in fear. Now, you can't remove all the danger in life, but you can fight fear. It's a very simple thing. You know that, and you maybe have been told that. You, you can't remove all the danger, but you can fight fear. In fact, Moses, in response to their craziness, he talks about it. Exodus chapter 14. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. See, see, at the moment, Moses seems like the dude that's like, oh, when life gives you lemons, go make some lemonade. And you're like, that doesn't help the fact that I'm scared. Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Can we all admit that that does not help us whatsoever? No one is there. Oh, oh, no, be afraid. Oh, 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 okay. I'll stop being afraid right now. So Moses doesn't stop either. In fact, I'll show you the rest because I think this is helpful for us. Just stand still. Moses, we think you've lost your mind. Do you notice he says, don't be afraid. Then he gives them a prescription. Here's how you do this. Here's how you don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. So for those of you in the midst of a wilderness and you are legitimately afraid, can I just talk about what's really there? And this is about to get really personal. Because when I'm about to tell you what's really there, I have to tell you something that I have feared myself. Our fear is that our dead end is our destiny. Just to be really open with you. That when we're freaking out and someone's telling us, don't be afraid. 
you're probably answering back, I don't want to be, but I'm afraid my wilderness is it for the rest of life. And your fear may not be just about the wilderness and the dangers in the wilderness. Your fear is, if you're anything like me, is that the wilderness has become permanent. That the diagnosis is an actual death sentence and it's easy to forget that God can heal anything. When the marriage, by all you can see, is over, when the teenager is so far from you, when work is so broken, see, it's when you and I begin to think this is it. That's the true fear. So I wanted to give you a reminder, or maybe it's brand new to you, what the Bible says about God in the midst of a wilderness. It's in Isaiah. For I am about to do something new. You should personalize this. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? And most of them will be like, mm-mm. I don't see it. I would like to see it. I will make a pathway through the, what? The wilderness. See, someone's like, so God's with me in the wilderness? He knows I'm in the wilderness? Yes. I will, God will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will, God will create rivers in the dry wasteland. So let me pass on something to you. It has been a profound lesson taught to me by God himself. The wilderness isn't the end of your story. And some of you just need to hear that and personalize that, internalize that, press that into your soul. The wilderness isn't the end of your story. And here's why I would conclude that. The wilderness is where the miracle happens. You see, you do know just a process of thinking here. <laughs> a miracle requires a wilderness. And some of us hate the wilderness so bad that we've forgotten, oh my, I'm in a wilderness. That means God's got a place to do a miracle in it. A miracle happened with the Israelites and the Hebrews. I mean, they, I mean, like, like crazy miracle. We've already talked about it a little bit. The sea parted. I'll show it to you. And please do not pretend like you've seen this every day. At least read this. Imagine I'm talking about Pactola Lake or something, and you're like, what? <laughs> then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. I cannot even imagine. I wouldn't have slept at night. I mean, I know a lot of us think it was like instantaneous, like water split, everyone ran over, 10-minute ordeal, it's over, this is awesome. But I just read to you like there was an overnight thing. God cared so much you didn't want them to walk through the mud. 
like, I'll dry that out for you. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't have slept. I just would have watched it all night long. Like, are you seeing this? Because they've gone from, can we go back and be slaves, please? To now they're captivated by the miracle that had to happen in the wilderness. So years ago, when (laughs) September of 2008 came, after three months of me being pastor of a church that was willing to take a risk on me, a majority of the church was leaving, and the others were mad, and, and I was in a wilderness again. And I went home and quit. If you don't know the story, I'm not exaggerating. It was not an emotional thing. I went home and told my wife, I'm done. I'm going to go call the people we need to call to quit. And she looked at me and said, no. And that started a fight. (laughs) And I had been married long enough to know, like, don't, don't yell. Don't yell at your spouse. So I went into my back room and and yelled at God. Why would you bring us into another dead-end moment? We haven't we had enough? I mean, God, let me list out the dead ends. In our, I mean, I think this is unfair now. And begin to list them out and help him understand all we've done for him, but, but even specifying the dead ends. And I didn't get it. But God was doing a miracle that I was not aware of. So here's some history that you may not know. Before I ever got here, before I ever had those conversations with God where I was whining, in 1999, this church almost shut its doors. 35 people. 35 people called this church their church in 1999. The church could not pay its bills. From what I'm told of the history of the church is that there are people who no longer love God, go to church at all whatsoever because of what was going on in this church at that time. This church was dead. Oh, there were, there were people in it. But the soul of it, the life of it, dead. Fast forward 18 years. And now thousands of people every weekend gather at locations, one of them being a prison, ready to hear what God has to say, what God has to teach, ready to just tell God how incredible he is. Some coming to church for the very first time 18 years later. Thousands of people have decided to follow Jesus. Thousands have been baptized. And I got to tell you, no person can do that. But God can take a church who's in a wilderness and do a miracle. And I can tell you about my own life. It's a whole other story. I shouldn't be here. It's a miracle that I'm a pastor. Some of you are like, oh, I know. It's a miracle that this church even 
exists. And I would tell you, it's a miracle that you're here. And if you don't want miracles in your life, then avoid the wilderness. Pout about it. Whine about it. But if you want miracles, perhaps you look at the detours and the dead ends differently. And you begin to see, whoa, I don't like this. But God can do something with it. In fact, I'd go so far as to say, your wilderness is your unfair advantage. Like, no, no, David, you, you did that wrong. Uh, your wilderness is your disadvantage. See, that's how most of us see it. As the wilderness is the disadvantage to life. No, 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 no. It's a place that God often takes you or lets you go so that he can mature you and do miracles because God wants you to know he's God. So what do you do in a wilderness? What do you do? What, like, and, and like wilderness is your unfair advantage. That, like, that sounds like positive. Like that's, let's put that up somewhere on a sign. But, but I got to give you a warning. Here's your warning. This is this on the Bible. A lot of times, here's what God does, and there is a but. Okay. You have to respond to the wilderness in a very specific way. See, a church doesn't go from dead to alive just because. You and I don't go from lost to found just because. A marriage doesn't accidentally get better. People don't accidentally get on the right tracks. There is something the Bible teaches us that when you're at a dead end of detour, make sure you do this. Make sure this is a part of your life. I'll show it to you. First Peter. I hope you're willing to receive this. So humble yourselves. You're like, David, I don't think I'm the world's best person. I'm not arrogant. <laughs> so what does this mean? So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. In other words, in the midst of your wilderness, humble yourself. Choose God's way. Don't look like, but I see this, and this is the fastest route. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, there's that stinking time thing. At the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God while you're in the wilderness. For he cares about you. So I would tell you the posture to take in the wilderness is a God your way, not my way. Sound like a prayer maybe Jesus taught us? So often I'm asked, how does a church go from 35 people and, and dead to alive? Well, that shouting match I had with God in our back bedroom concluded that day with a very specific conversation that I had with God where God asked me, what are you willing to do? 
And the more I've thought about that conversation with God, that prayer, it was not audible for those of you like, I wish he'd speak to me. No, it wasn't audible. It was just he and I talking and I, I felt like he was asking me, what are you willing to do? And, and, and I've talked about this before, but the more I learned about it, I believe he was saying, are you gonna go your way or my way? Are you gonna do life your way, David? Or are you gonna do whatever I ask of you? And that's when I decided that as a pastor, I'll do it God's way. I will not try to be traditional or contemporary, cool or uncool, loud or soft. I'll just do what God says to do. And I've tried to be that as a husband, and as, as a dad, as a friend, and as a pastor. And what I did not know then was I was taking a scripture like this, humble yourselves and let God be in control. What do you do in your wilderness? Perhaps it's a daily prayer, God. Not my will, but your will done today. It's powerful when you begin to connect what Jesus said to a wilderness. So here's what I wanna do. Would you bow your heads and I just wanna pray for you. God, I pray for everyone listening, whoever's willing, God, that you would lean into their hearts and, and remind them that you are absolutely incredible. But God, for those who have extra soft hearts who wanna do something with their wilderness, God, I pray that you will remind them you are with them. And God, I pray that you would do a miracle in their wilderness. God, some of them, I'm sure, it's an actual physical miracle that they need. Health-related house related, but God, for those that it's even deeper than that in their souls and their minds, God, I pray that you would do a miracle, that you would restore the relationships that look impossible. God, I pray that you would intervene in a way and rescue folks who are so far from you, not even thinking about you. God, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would do miracles in the lives of those who are in the midst of a wilderness and craft a story with our lives that glorifies you, that brings all attention on you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.